So our guest today is Julia Milne. And Julia is the co-founder and coordinator of Common Unity Project Aotearoa. Um, this is a project which has developed a community vegetable garden in the grounds of Apuni Primary School in Lower Hutt. And the garden helps to feed the kids at Apuni School up to three times a week. Um, and it also presents an opportunity for parents and the wider community to come into the school each day to learn, share and educate one another. Julia has won a number of awards for her work, including the New Zealander of the Year Local Hero Medal Award in 2014. Julia, welcome to the show. Kia ora. Thank you for having me. That was quite a nice introduction. Did you write that? I did, yeah. yeah I stayed good. up late writing yeah, that last night. I'm pretty <laughs> <laughs> You're number one fan right yeah. there. <laughs> Absolutely. Sometimes it's hard to uh, surmise what we do, but that's kind of it, really. Cool. Yeah. So... Do the kids at Ipuni Primary School like vegetables? Because most kids hate vegetables, right? Yeah, not, not Ipuni children. And, and I should really hasten to say that this is a um, collaboration, um, pretty much the first of its kind in New Zealand, to uh, for a charitable entity such as Common Unity to come alongside a school. Um, and you need a particular kind of school that has a particular kind of um, principal, that has a mm -hmm. particular kind of community to um, that would enable and embrace this idea that can we collectively work to feed one another and to um, create not just a place of learning for our children but also our community as well. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty much what we do at Ipuni. We have an acre of land, the old soccer field, which... Um, is now in uh, full-scale food production for the children. The children hold that space. So it's a whole soccer field? It's that's an a, entire soccer ago. field. I believe it's the biggest of its kind in New Zealand. don't wow. know. I haven't visited them all, but I'd like to. Um, and, yeah, well, why do something small and token? If we're going to feed ourselves, let's do big things. Let's dig up fields and parks and, you know, knock ourselves out with, if we're trying to really be real about responding to this need for uh, localised food solutions, and we know that's what climate change is bringing us, then let's be real about that. Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, yeah, something that we're just trying to be really brave about and encourage other communities to do as well. So can you describe what the vegetable um, or the the garden looks like? Uh, mad, kind of mad, uh, quite beautiful. The children, uh, when we first started at Ipuni, we did a lot of work around um, about um, uh, the meeting place of one another and what that garden would be or what that site would be. So it's all founded on principles of reciprocity. So the children work with an idea that they have one hand for giving and one hand for receiving and understanding that... Uh, that perhaps by working together in collaboration that uh, we can be reciprocity-based and that that becomes quite a circular um, idea. That so how do you mean that they work in reciprocity? What, what are the kids giving and what are they getting, so are they getting back? So the um, children give into that space every week. So we don't work with one uh, set group of children gardening or learning to grow food. We are very fortunate to be given access to all of the children. So today, Tuesday, I've been out with 100 
um, students, all of them, and they have their times on a Tuesday where they all come and garden and grow food. So you have the whole school gardening at once. Yeah, and it's mad, and it's wonderful. Well, not at once, they come out, and they work on different aspects of the the garden and of the food production, and... um, so and and they can work alongside the community. So the community can come in. The parents are there. Like this is a beautiful example of kind of how it rolls at Ipuni. We uh, today picked. Um, we planted peas. We picked food to um, make pizzas. We had Tommy Millions come out from Scopa, and we had um, Dan from Almighty Juices. These are people that support us in our wider network. They brought the pizza oven out. We fired that up. We made pizzas from the oven. The community was there. We had uh, social work interns hanging out with us. They are writing resources for us at the moment that we can share. We've had the staff in there. We've had kind of everyone. So it's this beautiful village impetus and it's horrendous amounts of fun, really. And at the end of the day, everyone is fed. Everyone has put in just that and everyone has taken out. And that's what I'm excited about. And no one has transacted with money. And that's particularly exciting to me as well. So are the, are the parents of the kids and other people around a Puni school, are they able to come in and lend right. a hand as well? Yes, anyone anyone in the Hutt Valley, really. So we have um, a classroom on site, which we've created a community space. And every day we run... Um, workshops, we run sessions and spaces that the community has identified that they would like to be learning things. So it's more than just a, a vegetable garden? It's, well, how can you grow a carrot and feed a child without calling in all of the other things that belong? You know, and it's such a linear idea to think that we can grow some food and then just put it in a pot and eat it. I wasn't interested in doing any service providing and I wasn't interested in creating a whole lot of food that myself and other volunteers grew. I was interested in creating, um, working alongside the village to feed itself, which is such a different story. So as part of that, we need things like our knitting groups, we need our sewing enterprises, we need our dads who are learning beekeeping, because all of that means that there is a place for everyone, and out of that, everyone is fed. So yeah. you have you have parents and other people from the community coming in and teaching yeah. things like beekeeping and we knitting sure to we the should, kids? We sure do. We have a place for everyone. We have our lovely knitting nannas. Gosh, don't we need to create some spaces for our elders to come and sit alongside our children? They have all of the knowledge and all of the skills, but what they don't have is ways into community to come and share what it is that they know, particularly at this time where we have... Um, such hardship going on in such communities, such a sense of isolation of people. Uh, More and more, both mum and dad are working or our communities are not held in the way they were once upon a time, but there is space and place for our elders to come in and fill those gaps. And um, they, they know how to do everything. Look what they've had to endure. And um, once upon a time, it was just so natural and normal to be growing food and preserving and knitting and sewing and all the other things. So we're slowly coming back to that. And was this is this a 
just a normal part of the Apuni curriculum, or is this sort of after-school activities that? No, no, this is all just woven in, sure. woven into the school um, on a day-to-day basis. So it's quite rhythmic. We know what's happening on every day of the week. We know that a Monday and a Wednesday and a Friday there will be a hot lunch that is provided to the children, alongside the children, and that the community has come together to create that alongside everyone else. It's kind of beautiful. We're really big on employment as well too, so we um, work with our community to develop skills, to develop um, training and education, and then we're always looking for employment opportunity as well. So we have key leaders in our community. We have Donnie, who rides our, runs our bike library. She recycles bikes and put them out, puts them out. We have Dar, that cooks for everyone. Uh, three days a week, she does the feeding of our children. We have um, our bee daddies, who are, our, and we and, and we have Vic, who heads that up. So um, we've been working with him and a group of other local dads to um, learn some skills, and that's our latest enterprise. So, so, how long has it taken to build up this kind of community school enterprise? Was um, it like this from the beginning? There was certainly a school community there and um, it's a beautiful and it's a lovely sized school and it has a beautiful heartfelt family feel to it so it was kind of the perfect place to be um, introducing this idea of a localised food network. Um, so yes, it was in existence. We've probably just helped the school grow to that next stage of being able to look at itself in a more sustainable manner and call in a collectivism. I think that there's a lot of parents that would love to be involved with their children in the way that Ipuni parents get to be, but they're not given the space to do it. Mm. So huge kudos to Ipuni School for allowing that. Hmm. And were the parents instantly receptive of the idea of coming into school and doing gardening and some, getting involved? Yeah, or was some. it a, a process? Yeah, it's a process and there are some parents that like to do um, some things um, more so than others. The... Um, so that's why our enterprises in the space of sewing, we, we're a school that loves to do a lot of creative things and I hadn't realised that and that's just a picture of how our community is at Ipuni. So taking that lovely impetus and developing that into an enterprise which we've been able to do and create some employment around that and recycling and repurposing textile, we do that um, every Friday and that's kind of really growing into quite a lovely thing as well. And for us at Common Unity, it's about um, not being directive, but just holding that space and continually asking the question what the community would like to be learning and can we help facilitate that, which is quite gentle. Yeah. Mm. So what's the latest project? Oh, bees. Bees. We are just so crazy about bees. And um, it is bee awareness month. I know. So all. it is. Yes. Well, I yeah. I think every day is a bee awareness day. But you know, I could be a bit biased. But um, <laughs> I yeah. We we've been um, so our students at Ipuni hold this um, beautiful project called Project Sunshine, and every year they grow several hundred sunflowers and they grow them in a field as a living work of art, but also as a place of foraging for our bees, as well as planting them all over the neighbourhood. And um, at the end of the growing season, they disperse those seeds around New Zealand. So they've got about 350 projects of their own on the go that they've been able to this, pollinate. This is planting... Yeah, 
uh, flowers that the bees like. Yeah, as living works of art in communities. So uh, that's a child-led project. It's been in existence for about six or seven years, and that belongs very much to the children. And do you have beehives on the school grounds? We do not at this stage. What we do is uh, we've created a community apiary, which is nearby to the school, and that's at a local um, behind a local high school. So with the money that we were able to um, create a fund that we were able to create from our work with Project Sunshine, we then employed or contracted a local beekeeper to train our dads into beekeeping. So he's been working with them for about a year now. And um, as of about three or four weeks ago, they've launched their own little uh, community-owned enterprise. And that fell out on... or was helped to develop by uh, being part of the Low Carbon Challenge, um, which Wellington City Council runs every year. Thank you very much, Wellington City Council. So, how, how do bees help with reducing greenhouse gases? Oh, well, I'm pollution. glad you asked that. <laughs> <laughs> so, it was um, kind of a fascinating process to be part of because we had to explore that question. And I. And I kind of knew, everyone knows about shortening supply chains, uh, food food supply chains, and about, you know, we must be eating small and local, and obviously having beehives that are local to us is a really good idea. But then we got into the whole thing around um, sugar feeding of bees, and I... um, crunched some numbers alongside our team. We had a team of people that were helping us in quite a difficult thing to um, really look at the carbon emissions of localised bees in in comparison to commercially produced honey. But we were kind of able, and the big thing is sugar. So when we are importing sugar to um, feed our bees, there is this huge huge carbon emission attached to that because the sugar is of it's not just the fact that it's come from a long way away it's how it's processed and what happens to it before it gets here and so uh, we realized that by not sugar feeding our bees in the way that a commercial beekeeper uh, possibly would have to, then um, that's a total reduction of about two and a half tonnes of carbon emission. How do you not sugar feed a bee? Because they, they, they need the sugar to stay alive, right, during they the winter. They do, but, you know, we're having this big conversation at the moment about how sugar is not so great for human beings. So I guess I wonder, well, why is it that we take all the honey away from bees that they create as their natural food and feed them back sugar? And, um, so it's about leaving a little bit more honey for them. It certainly is. But still taking a few, a little bit, I presume, for That's the right. So that's kind of the place of teaching and the place of difference for Beeple, which is what our honey collective is called. It's called the Beeple Honey Collective. And we're right into best practice. We're also right into this idea that if um, people host one of our hives at their home, then obviously they are given a percentage of that Uh, honey, that um, enough honey is left in those hives to be able to um, overwinter their bees, but that also the surplus honey can be taken and some of it donated into community groups with the understanding that because of what has happened to our honey, which has pretty much become a commodity, it has become something that is highly sourced and wanted globally and so that of course drives the local price of it up and it takes it completely out of 
the hands of some um, parts and aspects of our community. So we want to return honey to places and to children in particular that aren't getting it. But the rest of our honey is then sold with all profits going back to uh, create more localised food projects. So it's a beautiful model and all people really have to do is host a hive and that's what they're getting. And are the kids into bees and oh, beehives man. or are they freaking out when no, they see them? No, they don't freak out at all. Uh, uh, our children regard themselves as beekeepers. Even though we haven't put a hive into our garden yet, there are things that we can do to be a beekeeper without necessarily having or tending that hive. And I guess that um, from the development, where at the moment we are working uh, with Massey University with their uh, year three design students and also Z Energy who have come alongside us to help us create a number of educational resources that we can then um, put back out into community, into schools. We must be teaching that this idea, and if you asked any puny child, they would tell you that we don't have bees to provide us honey, that bees are not here to provide us honey. But if we are very careful, we can take a surplus amount of honey that they create for their babies. And that's quite a different story to just saying that we need bees for honey. Because bees obviously do so much more for us, Exactly. Right? So let's start talking about pollination. Let's start talking about this issue that we are having with pollination in our urban environments because we haven't been respectful of bees for so long. So the Common Unity Project sounds pretty amazing to me. Um, is it, is like it unique it. to a pony school... Is it happening in other schools around the country and is there opportunities for that to happen? Yeah, there certainly is. So we uh, open source all of the things that we have learnt thus far. We are looking at how it is that we scale and at the moment have got some pretty exciting plans around that. We have also uh, just partnered with Lower Hutt City Council and created a new program called Nahiri Kai, which um, as of Father's Day, that has just been, we have planted uh, eight or nine more food forests out across Lower Hutt into community spaces and parks. So we are hoping that by doing that, we can start bringing these other gestures around them. It just must be that we start uh, realising that until we uh, create abundant spaces in our communities, our bees will suffer, but actually so will our children, mm. and there is a relationship between the plight of our bees and the plight of our children currently. Cool. And if people listening would like to make their school a common unity project, is that possible? Is absolutely, there a way? Yeah? absolutely. What do they need to do? So they can get in touch with me and we can talk about their needs and what it is that they have. Because recognising that every community mm. is different. Ipuni happens to sit on beautiful, fertile land. It happens to have a community that has some time around it. But not all communities look like that. I'm quite interested in what a community, a common unity project in the inner city of Wellington would look like where you don't have any space and everyone is working during the day and where is the impetus there to feed our children? I think it can be done but we just need to be having those conversations. So yeah, very keen. So just quickly, how would they get in touch with you? Uh, They can uh, find me online. You can go to www.commonunityproject.org.nz or you can find us on Facebook. Uh, You can find me at Ipuni School. Cool. Well, thanks so much for coming in today. You're welcome. Thank you very much for having me.